0: The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM.
1: It all happens here. Today
0: FM. So let's return to Ukraine itself, where today a Russian sh- soldier pleaded guilty in Kyiv to shooting a civilian, the first Ukrainian trial over a potential war crime since Russia's invasion. Uh, the 21-year-old soldier pleaded guilty to shooting a 62-year-old man on a bicycle. Uh, ...about 200 miles east of Kiev, four days after Russia's full-scale invasion began on the 24th of February. We're joined by Belle True, international correspondent of The Independent, who has joined us many times over the war from Ukraine. She's in Lebanon at present, but she has put up a remarkable video on The Independent website, uh, which certainly caught our eye uh, on the ground, the true horror of Russia's war in Ukraine... Belle, thank you you very much for joining us here on the programme. Tell us a little bit of what you've seen and what you put into that video.
1: Well, the video basically is shot across multiple locations in Ukraine. And I wanted to do that to show you, to show the viewers really what we were seeing on the ground, which is widespread, basically potential war crimes. So I was in Bucha, I was in Mokadov, I was in Borodienka, I was in Erpin. These are areas northwest of the capital Kiev in the Kiev region. But I was also several hundred kilometers away in the east, near the border with Russia in a region called Sumi. And unfortunately, quite similar and really disturbing testimonies were told to me by civilians that I literally just stumbled upon. So there were people who had been held underground in a makeshift torture chamber and tortured by soldiers for 10 days for information they didn't have i stumbled upon a body of a teenager who'd clearly been bound his his hands and legs were bound and he'd been shot in the back he'd just been dumped by a former trench and camp russian camp i met a, another teenager who had nearly been summarily executed himself but was saved at the last minute by a commander there were just every corner that you went to every house that you knocked on the door of the people inside would tell you these horrendous stories of Um, rape of disappearances of torture of summary executions and so i want to try and put that into one piece so that you get the sense that this isn't just individual uh, situations this is something that's widespread systemic and you know really taking place across all of the areas that were occupied by russian forces
0: is this a suggestion of russian armed forces being out of control or are they actually encouraged by their superiors to do this
1: Obviously, it's hard to say exactly what the kind of chain of command is. But when you look at the situation, when you look at a town where every single person has got a horrendous story to tell, where in places like Bucha, almost every single communal garden that I walked into had some kind of makeshift grave of someone who lived in the re- in the area who'd been shot by Russian forces, or indeed there were actual mass graves where the local priest was, had stopped counting at 100 bodies because they were desperately trying to bury the dead of people who had mostly being shot with some of them with their arms bound. when you look at the widespread nature of it, it does appear to be obviously something that's at least ignored or encouraged. It may not be a direct order, but it can't be possible that all of these different brigades and battalions and different forms of the armed forces are behaving like this um, in such a widespread manner without there being at least some kind of tacit approval of it. And talking about the, you know, confusion and the sort of chaos of the armed forces, the Russian armed forces, one of the sort of strange things that, was, that I was being told, that was, you know, that lots of different types of people were telling me, was that the Russian soldiers were largely drunk. And I went to these areas that had been their headquarters or their trenches, and they were just littered in empty bottles of alcohol. In Trostynec, which is in the Sunni region, which is just a few kilometers from the Russian border, and one doctor told me that you know they were under heavy shelling, that hospital was under heavy shelling. When that stopped and Russian forces took over the town, at one point a colonel came in to hit the hospital drunk and was going through the hospital uh, basically cabinets looking for medical grade alcohol to drink. So, I mean, it's, it's clear that there was obviously a lot of drinking involved as well, which led to a lot of erratic behaviour as well. So certainly you, you can't say, for sure what the commands were But at least looking from the kind of general pattern of behaviour it seems that it was pretty chaotic, people, a lot of these soldiers were very drunk, some of them were very young and they clearly at least had, um, you know, at least the commanders were turning a blind eye at the very least to what was going on
0: Bell, what's also shocking in your video, which is less than 15 minutes long but really packs an enormous punch, is a number of things that are shocking include the images of bodies left on the side of the road and also your description of bodies buried under buildings for up to a month that people have been able to rescue. And How upsetting is that as well for the Ukrainian people that they're finding it almost impossible to rescue the bodies of their relatives and friends and give them a civilised burial?
1: I mean, I spoke to one man called Vadim who most of his family were hit and were killed, basically, we presume, in an airstrike on the 2nd of March, I believe. That's when it happened. And the bombing was so ferocious that I got to the scene, I mean, we eventually all got to the scene over a month later and they were only that day being able to go through the rubble to even find the bodies. And and he was absolutely devastated and broken. And I think what was really haunting for him was, what if his family members actually survived the initial bombing, but were just trapped under stories full of concrete uh, and basically would have died of thirst um or suffocation and that for him was just the, the sort of feeling of guilt of surviving and not being able to go in. he tried so many times to try and get to his, his loved ones but not being able to go in there not being able to rescue them and now not even knowing what their fate was were they killed in that initial airstrike did they die a lonely death in basically a tomb of concrete? And will he even be able to find remains now it's been over a month to be able to bury them at the very least? And I think that is just added trauma on top of already so much sadness and violence and horror.
0: The other thing, Belle, that was very noticeable was, and leaving aside the loss of human life, which is obviously the most important thing, and the dreadful treatment of civilians, indeed any Ukrainian, the torture, the rape, the threats of rape, it was just the sheer scale of destruction. It makes you wonder looking at it, how will they ever be able to restore what was in many of these towns, villages and cities?
1: Yeah, I mean absolutely, you know, when you're driving through those areas northwest of Kiev, it's just, I think I described it as a kind of apocalyptic hellscape because there's just everything has been kind of obliterated and it's not even necessarily by air bombardments um, or by shelling but you know, I was in one particular area, in an area called Hostomil, which is uh, just by Irkian. Russian forces in tanks were basically just kind of bulldozing their way into people's homes, trying to look for men, basically. They were looking for, for, for anyone of fighting age. And so it's just even the destruction from tanks. There's also, there's still bodies they're finding there. There's burnt out tanks. There's Russian soldiers' bodies that have been left behind as well. And just like utter devastation. I mean, one of the strangest sort of, Part of the devastation that I came across was the looting as well. So, I mean, almost every single flat was looted, and you can see the you know, sort of handlebars of the of the, of the front doors of flats had been crowbarred open and everyone's homes had been ransacked. And I mean, literally, there was one point where the ground was covered in coins. And I asked some of the residents who stayed put, like, why are there hundreds and hundreds of coins and thousands of coins in the floor? And we said the Russian soldiers have the flat so much, they'd actually stolen the piggy bags of the children and were smashing them open to take the coins with them. There was another part of a different town in that area as well, where there were loads of empty shoe boxes all over one street. And I spoke to one eyewitness who told me that the Russian soldiers who are obviously very young, possibly conscripts, a lot of them coming from quite impoverished areas of Russia, who had gone from shop to shop, trying on every single trainer and taking them with them and literally just leaving an entire street full of empty shoe boxes, and so you know whole people's livelihoods as well have been taken. So it was just a really you know a weird scene that you wouldn't expect to see in a war zone. You wouldn't expect to see every single door to every single flat crowbarred open and everything looted. You wouldn't expect to see piggy bank coins on the ground. You wouldn't expect to see you know trainer you know sneaker boxes littering the streets. But you know it, it's a sort of Serious devastation from airstrikes, from shelling, but also just on a very incremental level as well through these neighbourhoods that make you feel like, how can these people rebuild?
0: Beltrú, international correspondent with The Independent, thank you very much for joining us. You can find that documentary, it's just under 15 minutes long, but it's really compelling and it's really shocking. It's called On the Ground, the True Horror of Russia's War in Ukraine on the independent.co.uk Website. Beltrue, thank you very much for joining us on The Last Word. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens
1: here.